a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. Oh, we are going to be talking about some infringements today. Massive infringements up in Massachusetts. HD 4420, which would absolutely obliterate the right to keep and bear arms. You've got uh, police chiefs who are speaking out, warning that this bill will, not could potentially, but will turn thousands of law-abiding residents into felons overnight. And as uh, Jim Wallace of the Gun Owners Action League uh, tells us, not just Massachusetts residents who actually need to be concerned about this, but we'll get to that uh, in just one second. Before we do, you know, Biden's America is crushing us. you got companies laying off tens of thousands of workers one after the other. Americans working two jobs just to get by. Inflation pushing hardworking families to the brink. Just look at the price of the lunch meat next time you go to the grocery store. And a digital dollar could be coming down the pipeline to completely destroy our way of life. The truth is you need a plan. You know it and I know it. And that's why you should call Gold Co. So you can diversify your savings and investments with gold and silver before things get worse. They're a six-time Inc. 5000 winner, 2022 Company of the Year, with thousands of five-star reviews. And they've helped people like you and me place over $1 billion in gold and silver. They're offering up to $10,000 in free silver while supplies last. If you call them today, qualified callers will get a free Ronald Reagan half-ounce silver coin. So don't wait. Call Gold Co. at 855-412-3806 today. That's 855-412-3806. And now let's get to our conversation with uh, Jim Wallace, uh, head of the Gun Owners Action League in Massachusetts, where they are uh, dealing with closed-door meetings in Boston today. Supporters of HD 4420 meet behind closed doors trying to sell this to their colleagues. Oh, don't listen to the gun lobby. Don't listen to the chiefs of police. Don't listen to your constituents. Just read this little handout that we've presented to you and, uh, and trust us when we say that, oh, yeah, this makes things better in Massachusetts as opposed to um, the nightmare that this would actually create for lawful gun owners and, frankly, <laughs> non-gun owners as well, as you'll hear in our conversation with Jim Wallace. Take a look and a listen. Jim, thanks so much for coming on the program, sir. It's good talking to you today. Yeah, as always, welcome back to the Second Amendment battleground state, and boy, it is now. Yeah, it is. Uh, so you've got Democrats meeting behind, I guess, legislators meeting behind closed doors today. Uh, as Representative Michael Day, the sponsor of HD 4420 and other leaders, uh, uh, try to ram this bill through. Now, these are, again, closed door meetings, right? We don't know what's going on. We don't know what's being said behind these closed doors. No, this this is uh, House members only. Uh, yesterday was Division One and Two. And then today is division three and four of the house and no one's allowed in other than house members. There's no experts on this stuff. We're not allowed in the chiefs aren't allowed in. Nobody's allowed in to either answer questions or counter pretty much lies that are being told to the house members because the chairman still insists there's nothing in this bill that, that attacks lawful gun owners. Just the opposite. There's nothing in the bill that doesn't attack lawful gun owners. So um, that just shows you, uh, you know, how much of a Pravda reporter he's become. Absolutely. You know, listen, I, I took a look at this um, report by the Massachusetts Chiefs of Police Association Firearms Committee uh, on HD 4420. So these are the police chiefs, right? This isn't coming from goal. This nope. isn't coming from NRA. This is coming from the police chiefs. Um, and, and I want to just quote here. This min- This bill has many 
complicated and detailed provisions that deal with lawfully licensed firearms owners, firearms possession, carry transfer and sales, as well as dealer and manufacturer regulations. Um, to respond to every section of this bill that is problematic would require an extensive detailed study and response beyond the scope of this summary. So, and then they go through and they do talk about some of the many problems that they've identified. But this, again, these are the police chiefs in Massachusetts saying, there's so much wrong with this bill. We can't even write about it all in our summary. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why, I mean, we did a bullet point, you know, you've seen our our release and, and that's not even the extent of the bill because, uh, you know, people have been nice about it. They haven't been snarky, but they'll contact us. Hey, Jim, how come, you know, your bullet points don't include this? It's because after day three, I just told the staff to stop. There's, you know, how much can you put out to show how bad this is? I mean, you know, the, the Chiefs was 17 pages long and they said it should be 100 pages long. So it just goes to show you that, number one, the people who drafted this intentionally made it convoluted, which that's been mass gun law for 25 years. Mm-hmm. So they uh, they doubled down and. And the absolute lie from the chairman when this began was, well, we have to change our laws to become compliant with Bruin. <laughs> really? So <laughs> you know, talk about Alice look, you know, through the looking glass. I mean, wow. You know, if that was your if, matter of fact, I was talking to a Marine that's now a state rep. And I said, if that's what they were shooting for, if I shot that bad in basic, my drill sergeant would have stomped me into the ground. And he started laughing. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty bad. So um, w- the other thing that we're hearing, and, and everything is up in the air, things change by the minute with this thing, because um, I'm not sure you're aware, but the Senate did not concur with the House on where the bill should go for a joint committee. Mm-hmm. The House wanted it to go to Judiciary, which was Chairman Day's committee. And the Senate waited two weeks and then said, no, we want this to go to public safety where it belongs. All gun bills go to public safety. So now the speaker and the Senate president are, are in an argument, you know, which they always are because they can't get along like little kids on a school ground. But uh, we are hearing that the speaker really wants this done by the end of the month before they break for the summer. Mm-hmm. And the possibility of next week He's just going to drop this thing in House Ways and Means and drop it on the floor next week in one day. So we don't know if they're going to amend it because they are getting a lot of pushback, even from their own caucus, about what the heck is this bill really doing? And you're not telling us about it. So, um, you know, everything from the police to retailers to just people. I mean, literally the 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 part about being in possession on property, if you're heading you're just going on the club to shoot around the clays and you get your over and under in the truck and it's unloaded, locked in a case. If you, under this law, if you pulled through a Duncan's drive through to get a coffee on the way and they didn't have a poster saying it was okay, you're a felon. So, you know, there you go. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is so abusive. Uh, and again, to, to, to claim that this is um, trying to comply with the Bruin decision, when this is just a giant middle finger to the Supreme Court and every gun owner in Massachusetts, you know, and, and listen, you don't even have to be, I, I realize our audience, Second Amendment fans, but you don't have to be a Second Amendment supporter to find real problems uh, with this bill. I want to go back to that uh, Chiefs Association report. 
Um, they wrote, uh, quote, numerous provisions in this bill will place a severe strain on law enforcement agencies, both municipal and our partner agencies within state government, such as the Massachusetts State Police and the State Firearms Records Bureau. Um, this bill, as reviewed, appears to have no funding stream for police agencies to finance additional personnel, both sworn and administrative, that will be needed to meet many of the bill's requirements. Uh, examples would include the additional mandatory training requirements for department licensing officers, increased record keeping, additional uh, additional money will be required for follow-up investigations to enforce the newly created prohibited persons firearms list and feeding device registrations. Um, and, and they even note that, quote, in addition, many Massachusetts police officers are not always familiar with the complexities of the current Massachusetts yeah. firearms yeah. laws to introduce a tremendous number of new laws will become a training and enforcement nightmare for law enforcement agencies. So again, even if you hate the idea that Jim and I can own firearms, we have the right to keep and bear arms. If you care about public safety, this bill is going to take the state in the wrong direction because it is going to put more burdens on law enforcement, obviously far more burdens on law abiding gun owners yeah. And as as the as the chief, I think, in Plymouth, Massachusetts uh, talked about, this will turn law abiding gun owners into criminals. If this yeah. if these laws are to be enforced, then that means that, yes, people who are law abiding legal gun owners today will become felons overnight. Now, even that's if even if you don't live here, Cam, because let's say you live in, well, Virginia, right? And you yeah. for a hunting trip before you drive through Massachusetts. You'll have to register your guns with the state, and if there's any feeding devices, you have to pre, uh, or you have to request serial numbers for each of them, etch them, and then register them before you can drive through the state. I and mean, that meet the storage laws as you drive through the state, and if you saw the definition for locked secure container, it must defeat all but the most persistent person, and the, even the chiefs are like, "What's that mean?" Right. It has a stick of, you know, C4. That's the most persistent. So um, and vaults, rooms, locked rooms no longer count in your house. So all these people that built vaults to keep their guns safe. Nope. No more. I, you know, when you talk about this being the uh, what, 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 are, what is goal calling this? The civil rights. Oh, the lawful citizens imprisonment act. That's exactly what this is. I mean, that, that that's. Again, they are trying to make it so legally impossible, not even dangerous, but just so legally impossible for you to exercise your right to keep and bear arms that anybody who tries to do so uh, will yeah. run the risk of a felony. Uh, and, and, and by the way, that provision uh, requiring, you know, travelers through Massachusetts to, uh, to do all these things flies in the face of the Firearms Owners Protection Act. Uh, you know, the federal law that's been in place yeah. the, since the 80s. So, again, they don't give a damn about Bruin. They don't give a damn nope. about Heller. They don't give a damn about FOPA. Uh, so I, I am curious, though. I mean, you talk about, uh, you know, in Massachusetts, obviously, with Democrats in complete control of the legislature. Now you've got these sort of warring factions within the party. Is there sustained pushback coming from some Democrats to what day is proposed? From what we understand, yes, they, they, you know, everything was secret yesterday, but just from what people have kind of hinted towards is that they were getting a lot more pushback yesterday than they expected. And and there was a lot of questions, you know, kudos, kudos to the 2A community, our members and everybody else that are sending stuff to their legislators. Hey, did you actually know what this bill does? Here's goals thing. Here's the chief's thing. So they're 
asking questions that weren't on the summary and the chairman's having a, a hard time issuing them. And I, I, I'll tell you, Kim, I, I am not shy about historical comparisons to this bill because I've said from the beginning, and I continue to say on media everywhere, this is nothing but a tantrum post-Bruin. They're emulating Governor Wallace of Alabama after Brown v. Board of Education. And yesterday, I started telling Democrats, and you should have seen a look on their face, I said, this is Jim Crow 2.0, just against a different group of people, because you're doing the exact same thing. Oh, yeah, you have the right to vote, but, you know, here's 140 pages of stuff you have to go through before you do that. They would never do this to any other community in this state, period. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. And the idea that, again, they would try to ram this through without any public hearings, because if if, if what you're saying is right, the day wants to just put this out in the uh, Ways and Means Committee, then move it to the House floor in a single day. Is there going to be a public hearing? Will the chiefs have a chance to weigh in? Will you have a chance to weigh in? No, the members will probably not even get 24 hours to review the bill if it's changed before they have to vote on it. So that's why. You know, I know it's going to be a hard ask, but we are asking anybody who has a problem with this bill, if it comes to the floor without a hearing and you haven't even had 24 hours to review it and, and have questions answered, when it comes to the floor, get up and leave the chamber. I've never seen it happen. And this is an historic event. It's time to take a stance, period. Just leave the chamber, tell the speaker, send a message. We're not doing this to our citizens, period. There is Absolutely. no debate. There are no amendments. We're not doing this. They have to take a hard stance this time. He's out of control. I mean, even Chairman Day, in you know, throughout the whole so-called listening tour, and and even in you know, articles I've seen where he's quoted, he calls the Bruin decision a rogue decision from an activist court that shouldn't be followed. So there you go. Yeah. I mean, like you say, channeling uh, Governor Wallace uh, in Virginia, Governor Byrd, who is the uh, architect of massive resistance to Brown versus Board of Education, where they actually shut down the public schools in some districts. Farmville, yeah. Virginia, shut down the public schools for five years rather than uh, abide by the court's decision in Brown versus Board of Education. Uh, they can't shut down the, uh, you know, the gun ranges. I mean, well, I suppose I say I shouldn't say they can't. That might be the next step. But uh, <laughs> yeah. but but Careful again, say. Yeah. this yeah. is their own massive resistance to yeah. to the Bruin decision and to our right to keep and bear arms. Um, well, speaking, of, speaking of ranges and there's there is some conflict of how this is interpreted. But if you have happen to go to the range and you have a large capacity weapon and a large capacity feeding device on you. Once you're at the range, you can't leave the range with it. You have to leave it at the club. <laughs> so, I, I, what is yeah. it? Okay, now I saw something, and again, I, I you know, I, I know that the more you dig into this, the the more stuff is like, what the hell? Um, yeah. Firearms Policy Coalition tweeted out something about uh, if forty four twenty passes, that the only guns that will be able to be sold in Massachusetts are quote unquote smart guns. Have you seen you know, this? They, they, in the bill, they, they form a commission to study all that. Okay. They're not mandating it, but they, they're forming a commission uh, to study it and, and to urge, you know, movement on it. Uh, you know, every time somebody brings up smart guns, supposedly smart guns, I always say, hey, Secret Service first. Right. 
you know, Secret yeah. Service first. If they're so good, why don't there's no protective agency in the country that uses this technology because it can fail, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I always, you know, I asked young people, especially when I used to speak at universities on that topic, I said, how often does your cell phone not work when you really, really need it? And I said, imagine now your life's in jeopardy. Literally, you have seconds, not even a second to respond, and the battery's dead and you're gone. Right. Like, and I listen, I, I just wrote about this at uh, Barrett Arms over the weekend. You know, New Jersey has their own uh, personalized handgun authorization commission um, that that uh, has been meeting supposedly for like four years. And they just came up with their standards for uh, their criteria, right, to determine reliability. They're yeah. not testing. No. They're not testing the reliability of the gun actually firing when you need it to. They're testing to make sure the gun doesn't inadvertently go off, you know, four ways to Sunday. But yeah. they don't give a damn how reliable it is when you actually need that firearm to function. That's not yeah. part of one of their considerations at all. Well, um, like years ago, when our attorney general, not more, it was the Martha Coakley before her, it used to say, we don't encourage self-help. <laughs> or self-defense. for Yeah, right? Yeah. Well, Christmas. Look, at, look at the training that's required here. The state police has to come up with an approved curriculum that includes live fire, active shooter training, trauma training, de-escalation training, written exam on the gun laws. That's SWAT team stuff. Well, you want to, you, you think a 16 year old is going to take that? Now, one of the issues with that is that means that USCCA, NRA, all these courses that are out there are out the window because Massachusetts will have to develop their own curriculum. And there there won't be a single instructor available because there's nobody that can accredit them uh, to, to even teach it. But even if they could, I mean, I've talked to trainers and they're all saying, that's a minimum five-day course, $1,000, $1,500 a piece. You know, an average person is not going to be able to do this. And this and is simply to possess a firearm, right? To get because a license, not even to possess, just to get a license. So, so you yeah. got to go through the training before you can even apply for a license. Oh yeah, yeah, we do already, but it's just a basic safety course, right? And this, this all of a sudden, not, no, this is SWAT team stuff. And here's the irony: the moms' demand action is pushing that stuff. The irony is, apparently, they want us to be expert marksmen. <laughs> they hate us, but they want us to be really good at what we do. You know, and it's like, what? Okay, yeah, yeah. well. But you know, it's just the insanity is just all over this thing. So, you know, how far can you go? I mean, we, you know, the show can only last so long, right? So, I, you know, and I saw your message to gold members, and it's easy to say, well, look, uh, we're we're going to challenge this in court. Sure, that the you know, if if this awful bill becomes a terrible law, I'm I'm sure there will be a court challenge, but you can't wait. Right. You, you can't just say, ah, well, let's just deal with it when it goes to court. No, this needs to be fought every step of the way. Again, this is a blatant, flagrant abuse of authority directed against one of our yeah. fundamental civil rights. Now is the time to speak out. And I'm glad that the 2A community in Massachusetts is in contact with their legislators and they are sending them, you know, not only your reports, but what the chiefs are saying. Uh, they're they're highlighting the bad provisions that they found in this bill. At this point, Jim, what are you hoping to do? Uh, do you think there's a chance to absolutely just defeat this thing? Well, I, I don't know. It depends upon what the Senate wants to do. Because if the Speaker rams it through as a House bill, not a joint bill, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, even though they're all called House and Senate bills, they're, they're still joint efforts. Um, the Senate doesn't have to do anything if they don't want to. They can just say, yeah, that's nice. Okay, you have fun over there. We're going to do our thing over here. The other thing the Senate could do, because it's not a joint action bill, they could draft their own. And if they want a crime bill, I'll draft it for them. You know, because last session, our ghost gun bill that hammered, you know, prohibited persons from handling any of this stuff, dealing with any of this stuff, trafficking any of this stuff, anybody that got hurt by something they made, you know, if they're a prohibited person, uh, our bill was the only one that made it out of committee last session. So why isn't it in this bill? You know, so crime bills are easy to write. The problem is they don't prosecute in mass. The policies in this state are so pro-crime, it's not funny. Yeah. And now they're going to be emboldened even more if this thing passes. They will ring the dinner bell. Oh, and by the way, uh, I had a rep tell me yesterday, you know, I guess we didn't think this far into, you know, where you can possess, not just carry, but possess anything. And remember, now a barrel, just a barrel would be a gun. Um, So anybody who lives in low income or public housing, if that particular place doesn't post that it's okay, you can't own a gun. You can't possess a gun in those properties. Uh, so between that and the cost of training, you're wiping out the low-income folks in this state from defending themselves. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, listen. It sounds like it sounds like everybody is going to be wiped out from being able to defend themselves. But listen, we know crime happens disproportionately in lower-income neighborhoods and lower-income communities. Uh, we know that you know. So in, in in a way, I would say that the we all possess the right to keep our arms, but the need to exercise that right is probably most acute in high crime areas, right? And and these are going to be the folks who, as you say, the burden falls hardest on them. I would also say that probably the prosecution burden is going to fall hardest on them, too, because, you know, we do tend to see more police in high crime neighborhoods, uh, more stop and frisks, right? And so individuals who are simply who are trying to comply with the law. Because yeah. there's no way to comply with this law and exercise your right to keep your arms. There simply is no way to do so. No. Um, no. You know, okay. the, the, the same folks who say, right, we, we got to avoid the, uh, you know, mass incarceration. We have to avoid over-policing. <laughs> what the hell does this bill do? Yeah, if I, not I, encourage this, if not demand those things. I, I've actually asked people, is there funding in this to build more jail cells for us? Because we're coming, yeah. I guess. But the other thing, too, is you kind of touched on there. Um talking with a lot of friends in law enforcement, both retired and active, they're walking off the job in record numbers now. If this happens, they're gone. They're gone. There will be a real legitimate time when you'll call 911 and nobody's coming because there's nobody there. You know, I mean, we've had, I think in the last couple of months, two police chiefs, no warning, dropped their keys and their badge on the desk and walked out the door. You know, no no charges against them, no nothing, just they right. said, I'm done. Done. Just here you go. And, you know, licensing offices, same thing. We've, we face that. They just walk off the job. So I'm not doing this anymore. You know, especially now in mass because they have what's called the Post Commission, uh, which is a citizen commission that literally licenses law enforcement officers and any citizen complaints go to the post commission. And if you don't follow the rules to a T 
they can just yank your ability to be a law enforcement officer in Massachusetts. So have fun. I mean, this is just, you know, adding, adding injury to insult uh, at this point, not insult injury, adding injury to insult. Um, So, so what is, what is your message for gun owners right now? Obviously keep up the pressure, right? Keep, keep contacting lawmakers. Uh, I know the last time we spoke, you had uh, talked about maybe trying to put together some sort of a, a rally, but I guess with things moving as quickly as they are, uh, is that still on the table? Yeah, the problem with it is, and in, in we, we're trying to strategize this, we know if we schedule a rally for, like, say, next Wednesday, they may take this up. The speaker will just reschedule the, the time yeah. to next, the Thursday. So any day we ask people to show up, what we were really waiting for was them for, to announce a hearing. So we didn't have to have people come up more than once because right. is. You know, people are trying to work and, you know, pay their bills. So it's so now it's like, what do you do? I know people really want to rally. And but if we show up 5000 strong and there's nobody in the building. You know, the Boston Globe will report once again, a few hundred, you know, gun owners were upset and rallied in front of the state. So uh, which is what they said last time when we had 5000. But uh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we really. But here's the thing, Cam the message we're getting from legislators and which we know it's easy, but these click here and contact your legislators totally ignored. They go into a filter, an email, and they don't even read them because once they see one, they just delete, 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 delete. It's the personal messages. Doesn't have to be a complicated two page letter, 10 page letter, or in the chiefs, a 17 page letter. You know, two sentences, and it's the personal touch because legislators are telling us we're hearing from people that we've never heard from ever. So that's what hits them the hardest. Even people who aren't necessarily our friends, when they hear from somebody in their community, you know, grandma that wrote two sentences on a doily and said, what the hell's going on? That's what they pay attention to. So we need to reach out. I guarantee you that still the majority of gun owners in the state have no clue what's going on. I've actually had some that said, oh, I thought this was just a fundraising gimmick. What's good? I said, no, 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 just the opposite. This is not a gimmick. And no, I've had people tell me that to my face. Like, oh, I thought you guys were just, you know, Ooh. building up hysteria over a fake bill that's not going to go anywhere. It, we don't do that. I've never done that. Yeah. Like I said in that address, I don't do that. And I've gotten hammered for not doing that in the past, but it's it's so important to reach out to everybody you know, even people who don't own guns, if they're friends of yours. Let them yeah. know how bad things are going to get in this state and have them personally reach out. Just a quick email, a letter, a phone call. You know, this weekend, legislators are always at local events. Find out where they're going to be. Gather three or four, 10 friends and go visit them. You know, make sure they understand what's actually in this bill and how it's going to affect you. It's the personal stories, not form letters, not form emails that are going to make a difference. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm I'm curious as well. I mean, we've heard, again, a number of chiefs speak out. Obviously, uh, gun owners are speaking out. You know, but as I said, you don't have to be a Second Amendment supporter to find problems with this bill. I, I'm curious, Jim, have any of uh, any of the public defenders in Massachusetts 
commented publicly about this bill because, you know, going back to Bruin, I mean, we had that incredible amicus brief by the, I think it was the Bronx public defenders. Um, and, and, you know, public defenders have been pretty instrumental in speaking out against some of these abuses in Illinois, hasn't necessarily swayed the uh, democratic majority, unfortunately, but I think there's another, you know, group of voices out there who need to be sounding the alarm uh, about this proposal, because, again, it might be the full employment act for public defenders. Uh, but, you know, they're going to be dealing with a lot of clients who don't need to be going to prison. They're not violent criminals. They're not they're not criminals other than the state of Massachusetts wants to turn them in yeah, to what's criminals. The, what's the statement I heard? I wasn't a criminal until you made me one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's definitely the case here. Well, it was like after Moore Healy did her edict in 2016, I coined the phrase felons in waiting. And that's what we are. That's yeah. what we are. Now, now, I will say, Cam, that a lot of people say, well, you know, because the new assault weapons law that they're now calling assault style firearms. So they had to come up with a new term is so broad, not only the list of guns, but the definition of what it might be. So if you had a nice semi-automatic shotgun that you use for turkey hunting that just has a pistol grip, it's banned. They went to a one-feature test. So pretty much everything is going to be an assault weapon. And everybody's like, they're gonna, they're not gonna take my gun. I said, listen, that has not been their mission for a long time. Their mission is to just make you a walking felon in waiting. And if they want you, they got you. But here's the scary thing. If the, they went nuclear option on this, all these guns that will now be illegal, the state, well, sort of knows what we own uh, through the registration. They could hand that over to the district attorneys and just say, here you go. You know, or even on the licensing side, mm -hmm. because under this, instructors will no longer give a, a, a certificate of instruction it'll have to come from the state if you apply for a license and they check to see what your own and they say no these are illegal we're not giving you a license you need to get rid of all your guns this is pretty insidious stuff you know i was talking with larry Keane from the national shooting sports foundation yesterday about a completely different topic and uh, an unprompted larry brought up uh 4420 and he said that this is the single worst bill that he has ever seen in more than 25 years of, you know, working in this industry. Um, what, what you have going on right now in Massachusetts is the most egregious violation of our rights that he has seen. And again, Larry's not one for hype and hyperbole either. So, you know, when we say these things, this is real. Um, and gun owners right now need to be doing everything they can to, again, make their voices heard. Let these lawmakers know uh, where they stand. Jim, we're going to be following up with you. Uh, can we plan on just touching base early next week, uh, yeah. if not before then? I mean, I, I want to keep our audience uh, up to date and apprised as to what's going on there in Massachusetts. So I'd uh, love to have you back like next Monday if we can. Yeah, I mean, it may be from behind bars, but sure, we can make it happen. <laughs> well, listen, the good news, well, I was going to say, aren't they working on uh, no bail? Uh, so yeah. you, you may, maybe it'll be a catch and release for you. Uh yeah. Like the violent criminals there in Massachusetts. Uh, Jim, listen, man, keep up the good fight. Uh, you know you've got a microphone whenever you need it. We're happy to amplify the message from Gun Owners Action League. Uh, but this really is an all-hands-on-deck moment right now for Massachusetts gun owners. This is national history taking place here, period.
Yeah. You cannot exaggerate what's happening here. You can't. Well, so. Jim, right, brother. appreciate it, man. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks. Yeah. You know, just one, one note. I mean, Jim said he's not one to engage in hype and hyperbole. I'm not either. I try to avoid clickbait. Um, and I think that you know that. So when we talk about this being the most egregious gun control bill, when Larry Keene of the NSSF says this is the worst thing I've seen in 25 years or more, you know, take that into consideration. And if they can pass this in Massachusetts, this is going to be a model for every blue state around the country. And as Jim said, you don't even have to live in the state of Massachusetts to be impacted by these laws or by this bill. If this bill becomes law, any gun owner who dares drive through the state of Massachusetts is likely going to become a felon because how are you going to serialize your magazines? How are you going to uh, you know ensure that you are in compliance with all of these registration requirements when you're just traveling through? Now, again, I think that makes that provision particularly unconstitutional, but it's always better to stop a bad bill than it is to overturn a terrible law. And so I hope, I know that the deck stacked against us in Massachusetts, I know. But man, we're not alone in this. There are a lot of folks who are raising their voices. And again, if you're a Massachusetts gun owner, please, please join in because your lawmakers need to hear from you. Now, let's turn our attention to today's Armed citizen story, our good deed of the day and our recidivist report. We will start there with a case out of, I guess, an ongoing case out of Portland, Oregon, where police now say there is a serial killer on the loose and the a man suspected of these uh, deaths, turns out, was uh, released early from his previous sentence. 38-year-old uh, Jesse Lee Calhoun, once again, I guess, behind bars now, after his uh, clemency was revoked. The Multnomah County DA's office said that it had uh, not named a suspect in the murders of the Oregonian reports, but uh, law enforcement sources identified Calhoun as the man who was linked to the murders of four women uh, there in Portland. Liz Marad, district attorney's office spokesperson, said we've not named a suspect. Investigators have interviewed multiple people in connection with these cases and have identified at least one person of interest that is linked to at least all four of the decedents. According to uh, CrimeOnline.com, the DA's office said that person of interest had been linked to the deaths of 22-year-old Kristen Smith, 24-year-old Charity Lynn Perry, uh, 31-year-old Bridget Leanne Ramsey Webster, and 20-year-old Ashley Rial. Their bodies were found between February and May of this year within 100 miles of each other. Investigators said they have not found evidence to link the deaths of two other women, 32-year-old Joanna Speaks and a uh, as-yet-unidentified woman with the other four. Uh, in fact, uh, authorities later said the death of the unidentified woman not considered to be suspicious. Um, however, when it comes to Calhoun, who apparently is the person of interest, according to uh, at least one uh, press outlet uh, or two press outlets in uh, in Oregon, here's a guy who arguably should have been behind bars uh, during the time that these deaths were committed. According to Crime Online, Calhoun has a long history of felony convictions dating back to 2004, his most recent plea was in 2019, pleaded guilty to a number of felonies, including burglary, unauthorized possession of a stolen vehicle, as well as injuring an officer and a police dog when they tried to arrest him. He was serving four different sentences, all of them to be served concurrently. So they were all stacked on top of each other. He didn't have to serve one and then start serving the other. The longest was a 50-month sentence. He was originally projected to be released in June of 2022, uh, but... He was granted conditional clemency by then-Governor Kate Brown 
after he volunteered to uh, serve on a crew that uh, fought wildfires, and he was released on July 22nd, 2021. Last month, according to Crime Online, Multnomah County DA Mike Schmidt requested that Calhoun's commutation be revoked. Uh, uh, Schmidt wrote to uh, the now governor, uh, Tina Kotek, quote, since his release from custody pursuant to this commut- uh, commutation, Mr. Calhoun has been involved in criminal activity currently under investigation by Oregon law enforcement. He was uh, admitted, quote, back to DOC custody on July the 6th to serve the rest of his sentence until June of 2024. Currently, again, not facing any uh, formal charges with uh, these four murders, but according to Crime Online, quote, law enforcement sources, they say they expect that to change. Today's Armed Citizen story from the uh, San Antonio area. And this was a Friday morning, just after midnight, at a 7-Eleven convenience store when uh, the clerk forced to uh, defend themselves from at least one armed robbery suspect. Police say the uh, suspect walked into the store again shortly after midnight Friday morning, demanded money from the cashier, then pulled out a gun. That's when the cashier responded by pulling out his own firearm. Investigators say they began shooting at each other. Suspect got away. Store clerk told police he believed the suspect was hit. Meanwhile, a, a customer in the store grazed by a bullet. The person refused medical treatment, so thankfully injuries are not serious. Uh, as of last report, police still looking for that suspect. Cashier's been detained for questioning, but uh, doesn't look like going to face any charges. After all, gun was pulled on him, and he was defending himself. Now, whether or not the store allows him to keep his job is a, another question. 7-Eleven has for a number of years a policy that requires its employees to be unarmed on the job. I don't know if that's changed over the past couple of years, or if it is now left up to the uh, individual franchise owner. But um, could be that this clerk protected their life. And we'll still be on the unemployment line. We'll uh, see if we can give you any more details as they become available. Finally, our good deed of the day in the right place at the right time. We're able to do the right thing. A, a good Samaritan who helped save a man, former Wyoming state senator who was uh, crushed by his 4,000-pound trailer. Uh, Tom James was trying to disconnect a trailer from his truck on Sunday when the footing broke. And it ended up rolling over onto him pinning him, uh, and severely injuring him. Now, the sad thing is, according to Cowboy State Daily, uh, James was alone on his farm trying to disconnect the trailer from a truck. Um, He was pinned for about 20 minutes before anybody saw him. And about five cars actually passed by the property before a good Samaritan uh, identified as a man from Greeley, Colorado spotted James near the gate of his farm and actually heard him crying out for help. So the man pulled over, got his car jack out, and was trying to raise the trailer with the jack before emergency responders showed up. Uh, He was unsuccessful at doing so, um, but he was able to at least alert those first responders. Hey, man, we got a situation here. So volunteer responders from the Laramie County Fire District able to get the trailer off of James uh, after about a half hour. Um, But again, Pretty extensive injuries. James was life-flighted to the Medical Center of the Rockies in Loveland, Colorado, treated by a trauma team. Still in the hospital as of a Monday morning in stable condition, but he did suffer severe damage to his left leg, his left hand. Uh, His wife, Jennifer, credits the quick response to the Good Samaritan as well as her neighbors and emergency responders for saving her husband's life. She said that uh, James is in good spirits and thanked those who offered support on social media and through prayer. And again, man, if it were not for that alert motorist just passing by who saw something wrong, heard the cries for help, 
pulled over to do what he could. Tom James may not be alive today. So whoever you are, anonymous Good Samaritan from Greeley, Colorado, we thank you for your very good deed. And uh, hopefully you're able to uh, reconnect with the James family under uh, better circumstances here in the future. And that is going to do it for this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I want to thank you once again for being a part of the program. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow with more of the latest Second Amendment news from all across the nation. But you don't have to wait until then, of course. You can always visit BearingArms.com. We've got you covered there as well. And again, if you're a Massachusetts gun owner, please, please, please contact your legislators about HD 4420. This is a nightmare bill. It does not need to come anywhere close to being law. Yes, if it does become law, we will challenge it in court. But man, let's 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 remove that threat if we can uh, before Governor Maury Healy has a chance to assign this awful legislation into statute. All right, we'll talk to you again tomorrow. Until then, be well, be safe, and be free.